0: This is a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, The Business Station.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bytes. My name is Rich Bradbury. It is Thursday, the twentieth of July, twelve o five here in the studio. Coming up to twelve o six, and I'm joined by
0: Roshan kind of Uh
1: What kind of a day did you have yesterday, Roshan? Day I... off. We relaxed. We chilled out. What were you doing?
0: I was pretending to be Tom Cruise. Oh, you. What were you doing? I went for Spy Game. Uh, Oh, how was it? It was really fun. Uh, You... There was a... Okay, there was not a lot of running, as Tom Cruise would be doing, (laughs) uh, but there was uh, quite a bit of uh, hiding in fridges and under tables and in cupboards
1: uh, to avoid the cultish leaders that were walking around, the cultish guards. This is not something Tom Cruise would do. He wouldn't be hiding in a fridge. He wouldn't be hiding under a table anything like that, right? he'd be hiding
0: underwater, trying to stop something from happening. That's right. Probably swimming with sharks and,
1: you know... So that was was what I was doing, and then... uh, yeah, just a chilled out day. Good. I Sounds think. nice. I, I, I didn't do an awful lot yesterday. I, I kind of watched a couple of documentaries. There was a documentary that I watched called uh, Unknown, The Cave of Bones. Why are you doing learning things? I, I don't know. But I've been hooked on documentaries for the last few weeks. Uh, so that's what I was doing. Check it out on Netflix. Uh, really worth a watch. Anyway, bringing us back to reality. Um, is it though? Well, this is the thing, is it right? Is the real life? Uh, this is something that obviously we've been talking about um, for months it seems like. Um, <laughs> and I'm hoping that uh, it, it, as part of today's show, we can kind of, and as we talked a little bit early on, not so much draw a curtain on the topic, uh, but perhaps add a bit of a pause into a the topic. translucent curtain. Uh, that could work into the topic of AI. We've been speaking about AI for weeks and months and, you know, it, it started, I don't know, maybe a year ago when it first became apparent that this was going to be a huge thing this year, ChatGPT and all of that kind of stuff. But, Two big things happened very recently. Um, So let's start off with the first one. Uh, The United Nations Security Council uh, recently convened uh, their first meeting on artificial intelligence, highlighting the global significance of this technology. China have expressed concerns about AI becoming a, quote, runaway horse, Uh, Whilst the US warned against its use for censorship or repression, a bit of irony there perhaps, uh, Britain's Foreign (laughs) Secretary James Cleverley emphasised the urgent need for global governance of AI, which he said could, quote, fundamentally alter every aspect of human life. He also noted that AI could uh, help tackle climate change and stimulate economies, but warned of its potential misuse for disinformation and weaponry. The UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, supported the creation of a new UN body to govern AI, similar to existing agencies for the atomic energy and for climate change. And the meeting kind of underscored this dual nature of AI as both a potential solution for global challenges and a possible threat to peace and security. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the council was briefed by various experts, including the co-founder of AI startup Anthropic and the co-director of the China-UK Research Center for AI Ethics and Governance. Thanks. Thanks for all that. Mm. That just makes me feel so good. Well, on wait t- till you get to this next the- bit. This is even better.
0: Yes. So... Um you know, before I go and hide back in the fridge at Spy Game, um, another thing that was uh, you've pointed out here, Rich, is the fact that uh, a unique event happened, and that was at the, uh, the AI for Good conference in Geneva. Nine... <laughs> nine advanced humanoid robots participated in what was dubbed as the world's first human robot press conference. Lord help us. Um, this is probably the T7 or the T8 at this uh-huh. point. We could still be, have could 992 be. uh-huh. iterations before yeah. it becomes they, a problem. But they've got nice names. Yeah, so the robots, which included Sophia, Ida, Des, uh, Desdemona, uh, Grace and Amika, addressed various topics, assuring that they had no plans... <laughs> To steal human jobs Or rebel against their creators Would they say that out loud though? (laughs) So Sophia highlighted the potential of effective synergy when humans and AI work together while Ada and Desdemona um, disagreed on the need for stricter global regulations of AI. Mm-hmm. In fighting already. Hum. I wonder why they disagree. Mm. I'm sure they've got no horse in the race. Um, <laughs> Grace is a medical robot and it stated that it would work alongside humans without replacing any jobs. Amika, a robot with a highly realistic artificial head. That's an interesting detail assured that it had no intentions of rebelling against its creator and promised to always be honest. Guys, iRobot, Vicky never intended to do anything. Mm. She's responding to her protocols to protect the human race, but ended up doing what she did
1: anyway. There you go. Uh, and of course, it would be uh, it would, would be a miss or remiss not to invite our favourite, uh, do I call him an Autobot, a Decepticon? I'm not entirely sure right now. Uh, Matt Armitage from Pop, welcome to the show.
2: Good morning, guys. How are
1: you? We're very well. Um, Roshan's freaking out a bit right now. I was feeling okay a few minutes ago. Now, not so much. Now, um, Matt, for people that are only just joining the show and and haven't heard us talk about AI much uh, throughout the last few months, weeks... Um, let's just kick off with uh, a fairly simple but broad question. How do you see the potential risks of AI, uh, as discussed in that, uh, the UN Security Council, impacting the way like, businesses approach AI integration? Let's just start with something small.
2: Well, I, I think one of the issues here, one of the big issues is actually cost. Mm. So one of the things that we've seen recently is Microsoft has launched Copilot, yep. which is its integration of um, its chat GPT-based Tools uh, which you can now embed, or you will soon be able to embed into uh, the productivity suite. So everything from Outlook through to um, Excel and Word and PowerPoint and all of uh, all of this kind of thing. But that comes with a huge premium. So Microsoft has uh, said that uh, in order to get those tools, it will cost something like thirty-five U.S. dollars per user on top of your existing subscription. So, of course, that is going to benefit the companies who can afford to integrate these mm-hmm. tools, and that's going to give them potential, um, you know, quite considerable efficiency advance uh, advantages over the companies that can't afford to be in this kind of early wave of adopting these technologies. Now, of course, you can use uh, free tools, cheaper tools, uh, but those also come with things like security risks, because they may not be ring-fenced to protect your proprietary information. And the information you feed into these things may then go into training future generations of the AI, which will be available to anyone who subscribes or uses that particular service. So we have this potential of creating these um, uh, much more tiered Business systems, um, much in the same way that it will with people as well. People who can afford to adopt the the technology, or companies that can afford to adopt the technology, and companies that can't. Now, on the other hand, Uh-oh. we also we <laughs> also have the potential for these tools to replace human labour. But they so just think- said
1: the robots themselves said they're not going to replace human labour.
2: Well, again, we can't <laughs> necessarily trust the, uh, trust the the robots. In fact, um, I think, uh, I can't remember who actually said this, but um, I, I think it might have been indeed the, the UN Security Council, um, uh, the guy, uh, what's his name, Jack Clark. Mm. I think it was him who said this, but I might be misquoting, uh, that we should actually be looking at these these tools as labour. We shouldn't be looking at them as technology. We should be looking at AI as a labor service that you can purchase. So it's actually competing with human workers for the first time. These are these are not um, just augmenting technologies. These are potentially uh, replacement technologies.
1: Interesting.
0: I guess, you know, the old adage goes, right? If you ask a barber whether you need a haircut, the barber's gonna say, you need a haircut. Of course. Uh, Matt, given the concerns raised by the UN about AI being a double-edged sword, which we've, I think some of the points have been alluded to already, how should businesses businesses navigate the ethical implications of AI use then?
2: Well, again, this is one of those those weird situations we're in because suddenly we're asking companies to make ethical decisions. So <laughs> we we know that um, typically, certainly for larger corporations, ethical decisions are often motivated by regulation so we've had um regulation in in companies that's made it illegal for companies to um to offer bribes or to you know th- even if even if it's outside the the country um, that those laws were made i think the us has uh, some fairly strict mm. uh, laws about um, you know the way companies can behave in their international operations uh now Obviously, it was never ethical to offer bribes, yeah. but certain companies <laughs> were doing it. So legislators came in with uh, that ethical component. What we've also seen recently is uh, more kind of activist shareholders. So we've seen um, these organisations coming in and forcing ethical changes at, at companies at the board level um, by going through the the, the shareholder route. Mm. And, of course, there's also... And public pressure. Any company that is largely public-facing uh, is open to public pressures, and we've again we've seen this in sectors like retail banking, where public pressure has forced some retail banks to change the way they operate in mm. in some company in some countries and to. Uh, to change the way they invest in in certain companies as well. So when we we talk about ethics, often the ethics are imposed on companies rather than being internal. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, there aren't C-suite staff who have ethical and moral positions and the companies uh, adopt those positions. But again, they're still, uh, if it's a public company... They have to abide by the wishes of the the board and the shareholders.
1: Okay, um, hold that thought, Matt. I have to take a short break. Of course, when we come back, I want to speak to you about this uh, potential establishment of of this new UN body, um, you know, similar to the I.A. E-A. Uh, we'll be back on that in a minute, but uh, if you want to get in touch with the show folks and ask us, and, uh, ask us, or Matt of course, any questions about the robots, uh, you can get us on our WhatsApp number 18 789 and of course we are on Twitter at BFM Radio We've got some ads and then a little bit of music from the Cranberries with Just My Imagination here on BFM 89.9 The Business Station Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. And we're back here on Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury. I am joined in the studio by... Russian Uh We are... Go on. You going to say something? And it's not just your imagination. It's the robots, are here. <sighs> of course, we are joined on the phone line by Matt Armitage. Hi, Matt. Is still there?
2: Yes, I'm still
1: here. We, we, you, we haven't scared any one, of an, uh, one another off, of course. Now, we are discussing this <laughs> idea of uh, AI on the global stage, uh, UN and robots addressing the future of artificial intelligence. Yes, robots addressing the future of robot, of uh, artificial intelligence, having their own press conference, uh, which I know scares some people just a little bit. What are their names again? Sophia Desdemona? There was uh, Ida as well. I uh-huh. uh, can't remember the rest of them. Did number- they make them sound so... Friendly.
0: You know, but on on the other side, I'm just thinking about whether, what's the inverse of that, right? Imagine if we had the fictional version of that. Uh So you'd have Hal,
1: you'd have Vicky. Who else would be on that Ah, console? (laughs) Matt, you're going to say something.
2: I was going to say that one of the reasons that I'm limited to radio is because I don't have a realistic head. So, as Roshan was, uh, mentioning, so, you know, I, I just frighten people in person.
1: I mean, we, we tell people we're on a video call with them. It's actually just this voice coming from the void somewhere, you know? Uh, anyway, <laughs> Matt,
2: I'm inside your microphone.
1: You, you are inside the microphone. That's true. Now to get back to what we were talking about earlier on, uh, one of the things that we mentioned was this, uh, potential establishment of a new, new UN body, uh, to govern AI, uh, similar to the International Atomic Energy Agency or, you know, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Now, talk to me a little bit about that. And and do you see this happening? And if it were to happen, what effect is it going to have on anybody, particularly businesses?
2: Yeah, I I think, um, as uh, Mr. Gutierrez pointed out, it's probably unlikely that it's going to happen anytime soon. And one of the, the issues that comes with any UN body is... What are its enforcement powers? Mm. So obviously member nations have to adopt laws and resolutions mm. uh, that actually give some teeth to these organisations. But the the bigger issue is going to be, how do you actually uh, find people who are perhaps contravening those legislations? How do you right. as a UN body actually do that? I mean, when you look at um, the International Atomic Energy Agency... It's relatively straightforward because you kind of wander around with a Geiger counter and when it makes a fuzzy noise, uh, you know, you found somebody who's doing something they, they shouldn't do. Right. But how do you do that with AI? As they pointed out, AI is global. AI is everywhere. Mm. It can be developed as easily in somebody's bedroom as it can in some, you know, secret underground uh, criminal lair. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult them to actually track this down i i don't know whether a un body is the way to go but certainly i think there needs to be some kind of international uh, alliance with you know criminal mm-hmm. justice powers uh, that looks into um you know the the way companies the, the way not companies sorry individuals or organizations are actually using this technology mm-hmm. but we also come back to issues of politics different countries are going to have very different attitudes to towards AI. As we as we saw in uh, some of the um, statements from, you know, various different uh, ambassadors to the UN or yeah. representatives to the UN during this. So Russia, for example, doesn't think that there's any great need to have any kind of enforcement operations at this particular time. Well, we know that, you know, some countries are heavily involved in... Um, uh, cyber warfare and uh you know they might be involved in certain conflicts at the moment so it's not in their interests mm-hmm. to look at, at these kind of bodies so you know the the way that uh the way that this applies to different domestic policies i think would make any body that came from the un if effectively toothless i would imagine
0: right so with that in mind matt um Let's talk a little bit about the potential risks of uh, AI to global security influence. Um, <laughs> this is
1: what you're really worried about. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's a, sl- a slight sigh over there. Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, with the potential risks of AI to global security influences, this could have an impact on how businesses approach AI in their operations, right? Because at the end of the day, we are trying to bring it back to the ground here. Mm. We'll leave the <laughs> worry about global security to other people. Uh, but what? how should businesses be thinking about this, if at all?
2: Well, I mean, one of the issues is, um, obviously, we we have that um, that potential for AI to produce incorrect facts, mm. uh, wrong information. So from a business perspective, that can be hugely costly. If you have machines that are, you know, doing a lot of the work or producing content for, for other people, because, you know, we're seeing uh, this kind of technology increasingly being used by media organizations, for example where we value correct information. So there's there's that potential um, uh, reputation management cost to companies of implementing these solutions and the AI not performing the, the way it should. Uh, if you, I mean, Roshan, you mentioned uh, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible <laughs> a little bit earlier, but that's essentially the plot of... The, the current Mission Impossible movie. What happens when you have AI systems that can come in and essentially nudge information? Because that's that's the thing that I think people kind of underestimate the potential to to you know just subtly change facts and to to adjust the flavor of the mm. the information that you're seeing. That can often have more of an impact than you know, just flooding with disinformation and and whatever, because you, along with the correct information, you also introduce these things that may be more opinion-based mm. or may be slanted in a, a certain direction. And that way, over time, you can actually shape public, uh, public opinion. So how should businesses approach that? Well, it depends what your business wants to do. Does mm. your mm. business want to operate ethically? Does it want to try and shape the dialogue and the information does your business take a position uh, that is you know potentially not something that the 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 public looks on favorably at the moment and you want to change public opinion around to to your way of thinking so there's there's an awful lot of ways that um companies can approach this technology it depends on what outcome they want to achieve
1: i mean we, we we You just mentioned, you know, about how it would be difficult to enforce this kind of thing. Nobody knows, you know, exactly where to go at. But when it comes to stuff like regulation and companies, businesses who want to look at regulation and prepare for regulation, is there any way that – because we know how quickly – you know, technology changes and we know particularly how quickly AI changes. Is there any way that they could be prepared for potential regulation? You know, is there anybody that is there anybody that they can look to and discuss with, you know, about regulation?
2: I, I think at the moment this situation is so new and it's evolving so rapidly that it's it's very hard to to take a sort of medium or long term mm. position on this technology, uh, I think, what we're seeing at the moment is companies experimenting with and implementing some of these these technologies, and essentially, you know, seeing what works, seeing what fits, right, because right. there's no, there are no models for this, there are no case studies mm, to mm. to work on. Everybody is a first mover. You know, we're mm, in a very mm. unusual position with this technology in that it's had this enormous impact. In you know. It, it's genuinely been less than six months.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I mean, when we when we looked at what happened over the pandemic and the way it changed the way we work, we talked about that as seismic shifts, mm. people working from home, companies having to retool their operations to allow remote workforces to have access to sensitive information off-premises. Mm. You know, all of these kind of things, putting together uh, solutions for team working remotely, that's nothing compared to what we're seeing. Yeah, with AI it was across like we have to go. Months.
1: We have to go digital. We have to go digital, and now it's like, whoa, slow your horses a little bit.
2: Yeah, and now it's suddenly we're beyond digital. It's like, well, do we need people at all?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, what, what's
2: <laughs> people's role? Uh, how do we integrate these technologies? How do we? How do we share? How do we put systems in place where mm. people and the machines can interact? How do we? You know, I I have these conversations with uh, clients and potential clients. Mm. You know, how do we even plug these systems into our existing systems Mm. Uh, and who has control over the information? Where does everything sit? So it becomes this incredibly complex decision. And like I said, there are no models. Everyone is a first mover. Everyone's part of the experiment.
1: All right. Uh, don't say it like that we're not a part of an yeah okay yeah, we, you know, are. we know you know when he said <laughs> I, I, i've been
0: having conversations with i had i half expected to hear matt say with other ai's and yes. other <laughs> other machines well,
2: yeah i mean you are all part of my experiment so i'm i'm doing really you know this is good work at the moment <sighs>
1: We're just a learning model to him. He forgets that we can switch his microphone off. Uh, now, we're going to take a short break, Matt. Uh, bear with us, of course. We want, when we come back, m- maybe some positive spin on this. Maybe we can talk about, I don't know, how AI can help with save climate. Save the world. Yeah, how it can help save the world, maybe. maybe. Right? <laughs> Matt, Yes.
2: Oh, yeah, we can certainly try.
1: (laughs) We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. We've got some music coming up uh, in just a minute from The Last Shadow Puppets with Standing Next to Me here on BFM 89.9. Banana from Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Last shadow puppets there. was standing next to me here on Enterprise Biz Bites with me, Rich Bradbury, and... Russian Kennison. Of course, joining us from a, uh, a crusty ether, it is uh, Matt Armitage from Culture Pop, who I know once... Uh, uh, Matt, what is it you wanted to say to me about this whole point about positivity and negativity?
2: Well, you, you said when we come back, we'll talk a, a little bit more in terms of, you know, positive messages. But yeah. actually, that, that last thing that I outlined, that that speed of change mm. in the workplace, I actually see that as being quite positive rather than negative okay um what we're you know this is an incredibly exciting time we're seeing a massive transformation of uh white collar working practices yeah and you know this is this is something that traditionally the the encroachment of machinery has mostly been on blue collar professions so you know for the last sort of couple of hundred years we've had much better machinery coming in and reducing the number of people it takes to do sort of more manual jobs. But those people who are, are you know, uh, essentially technologically transformed from those positions, wow, there's a euphemism, um, <laughs> you know, they, they generally find other professions to, to go into. Now, we're currently seeing the same thing happening with white collar workplaces. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the fear comes in because this hasn't happened before. You know, this is a, a huge sea change. So it's interesting to see what happens to those jobs and what new positions open up to absorb the, the, that, that new labor or just changes the way that we view work. And part of this is generational as well. Uh, and that's something that we'll be discussing on tomorrow's explained, how Gen Z is looking at work in a very different way mm. to people in, in Gen Y and uh, Gen X. You know, they they have a very um, different position on what on the space that work occupies in their life. And part of that is down to this movement of technology. So I do see that as positive, positive. Uh, and I, as I said, I think it's incredibly exciting.
1: Okay, I, we we needed a kind of a ding ding ding. You know, Matt in the red corner. Me in the blue corner. It's right, though. Oh, OK. <laughs> anyway, that's where you were getting out of yes. that. OK. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> an additional positive note, then, should we say here, is, is go on, the, the question about the climate change. Uh, yes. So uh,
0: the other note, I think this was also brought up by the, the British Foreign Secretary, is that AI could have potential uh, contributions to climate change solutions. Uh, how do you see this uh, playing out, Matt, and how it could impact business strategies and operations?
2: Well, I, I don't necessarily understand the the point about climate change solutions, but I very often don't understand a lot of what Britain's Foreign Secretary (laughs) says, but that's uh, another point entirely. Um, But just in general, yes, AI has enormous potential when we look at its power to model. So yes, in terms of climate change, it can put together all of these uh, incredible um, models, these uh, potential solutions it can do the same in medicine. Uh, we're looking at the the impact of these technologies coming into, you know, everything from architecture, medicine, as I said, education. There's the there's the potential for uh, AI to completely transform education because that mm. kind of model of rote learning becomes essentially irrelevant when yeah. you have access yeah. to to tools like that. So, what is going to be the new shape of education? of medical research of, you know, uh, I think AI was um, already used in helping, you know, used very heavily in helping to create the COVID-19 vaccines, because it was able to model all of the potential combinations of the various drugs and actually isolate uh, what were, um, you know, the strains that could be used for further research. Now, typically, that might take human researchers mm. years to go through the thousands of mm. permutations. And the AI was able to do it, you know, in a couple of weeks. So we were able to have all these shortcuts to getting a vaccine out that helped the work will get back to to functioning in a very short space of time.
1: And just playing devil's advocate to that, and uh, to put some uh, further fear uh, into Roshan right now, there's a documentary currently on uh, Netflix. Thanks, Rich. I I think it's called Unknown Artificial Intelligence or Unknown Killer Robots or something along those lines. (laughs) And it talks about this idea, Matt, that you talk about um, the ability for it to kind of uh, generate potential medical breakthroughs and chemical kind of... um, uh, not components, what's it called? Anyway, uh, but what, it, what they did was to program it with a whole bunch of uh, chemicals and then ask it to produce um, deadly uh, components. And overnight, it managed to produce 400 potential poisons that were deadlier than what we currently know overnight. And the chemists... <laughs> And the scientists behind this were so scared by this that they had to shut the program down immediately. And they managed to get; a, they had a call from the White House saying, "Can you come in and talk to us about this?" That's how quickly it can develop these things.
0: You know, I was going to go with a more chilled-out example of you know, I was when when Matt was talking about the different modeling of yeah. the. Uh, uh, of uh, uh, when it came to the COVID vaccines I merely went to of course this is my brain I went to Avengers Endgame when Tony Stark was modelling all the different ways that mm-hmm. he could time travel and he was and finally he came to one one possibility that came about right and I said, like, oh, okay, so that's the kind of thing we're looking at. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's crunching so much information that we couldn't have done within the same amount yes. of time to go through the different possibilities yes. so we can narrow the scope of what we can test. Yeah. Um, but we go from that example to the flip side. Yes, we can right. now model the different kinds of ways we can destroy ourselves <laughs> Correct. even faster. But." Anyway, uh, I, I want to move on
2: and, and, and
1: skip ahead <laughs> because I'm scaring myself.
2: Well, no, I mean, if I can, if I can just sort of Please. chip in at uh, at that point. You know, we we have this idea that, and again, because the technology industry has kind of sold us this idea that technology is neutral. Mm. Technology isn't neutral. Uh, if we use the example of, um, you know, the uh, uh, Atomic Energy Commission, uh, the, the UN body, sorry, the... Um, they have this idea of dual-use technology, so technologies that can be used for civilian nuclear research, but can also be used to create fissile nuclear mm, material yeah. as well. Yeah. But the, the the sad truth is that all technology is dual-use. Mm. So this is an example I use on Matt's plane quite a lot, and I'm sure Richard is sick to death of me hearing it. Never. Uh, if I if if I use a fork, yeah, I'm I'm just eating my noodles for lunch. If I take that fork and plunge it into Richard's leg, <laughs> it's the same implement. I've used it for two very, very different purposes. Mm-hmm. All technology is like that. Technology is not necessarily benign. Uh, and one of the reasons that we have these fears about you know, AI ending human civilization is that humans have the idea of ending human civilization, not Mm. necessarily the, the machines. So this is actually all about the human input into those machine processes and guiding what the machines do.
1: You see, and that kind of gives you some insight there as to why me and Matt record remotely. Uh, and don't go for lunch very often. Uh, no. Uh, I, hey, I,
2: have I have I ever demonstrated my? Person? Not yet.
1: Not yet. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I Actually, guess that's
2: why people only give me a spoon.
1: Like, that could well be it. Yeah. I, I guess one of the things uh, we want to talk about just before we wrap up, and we we got a couple more questions, is um, w- humans ourselves have this? We have an issue with human rights as it is. Now you, we're trying to involve AI into this and, and stuff like corporate social responsibility and um, would AI in fact have any kind of influence on human rights at all?
2: Well, obviously it can do. I mean, when you see, um, for example, technologies like the the Great Firewall of China, and you see these control systems that mm. are put in place. so at the moment, um, most of the monitoring takes place with you know there are thousands of humans. Uh, monitoring, you know the, the Weibo and WeChat and all of these kind of messaging systems and all of these broadcast platforms. Now, of course, AI has the potential to replace a lot of that and uh, do it remotely. So you massively increase the ability of companies to to uh, sorry of uh, governments to censor populations. Uh, you also have, um, for example, companies like Microsoft, which has very advanced facial recognition technology, which they have a company policy of not selling to law enforcement operations because they don't want it to be used for uh, surveillance and and tracking. But that doesn't mean that other companies aren't selling this kind of technology to um, to to governments, to uh, and of course to to corporations as well. So when we talk about the 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 potential impact, yes, that, that potential is enormous. And that's one of the reasons that, great, it's fantastic to have these discussions at the UN Security Council, but we need individual countries enacting legislation that protect their citizens, uh, you know, that guarantee them a bill of AI rights or whatever that, that um, gives them protection against overreach, whether it's commercial or whether it's public overreach. Using this this technology to um, to censor to surveil uh, because don't forget I mean one of the um, one of the the issues with this kind of AI based technology is that any machine you have that connects to um, the internet or a Wi-Fi or some kind of communication network then has the power to be AI controlled mm. you don't necessarily have to have that module and all that processing power in a drone or in a sensor. You just have it to have it feeding back to the network, and the network is actually controlling all of those, those component parts. So that's where this becomes exponentially greater and why we have to regulate how autonomous these systems are and what decisions can be made without human input and human decisions.
0: So with that, Matt, um there's obviously a conversation to have here on the uh, ai's impact on human rights right or at least how it could push the different ways we think about that about it and how it influences you know corporate social responsibility or policy making by uh to a different degree um a- any thought there
2: well i mean without sort of going back over what we've already said one of the one of the elements that we haven't talked about and it, partly because it doesn't seem to be uh, potentially that relevant to where we are with AI at the moment. But we also have that issue of uh, emerging AI sentience and what we then uh, or how we then view those sentient AIs. Mm. Do they have rights on a par with human beings? Uh, Does turning off an AI equate to killing an AI if it has you know, those elements of autonomy or um, intelligence. You know, we've had that uh, situation with one of Google's systems where one of its former engineers claimed that the system was sentient. Of course, everyone else chimed in and said, no, it wasn't, you've just formed an emotional attachment with mm-hmm. with this technology. But we're now entering uh, an area where our relationship with technology is changing these are no longer machines that serve us these are machines that actually to an extent govern us if you're working in um, you know a, a distribution center uh, for example you work on a you know in the gig economy as a delivery rider or whatever ai is very often your boss yeah it's governing your productivity it can actually terminate you without going back to a human supervisor so these are all things that we need to um, uh, legislate at that government level. What is acceptable? What are the acceptable roles for AI in society? And what happens if AI gets beyond a certain point? How are we going to place limits on the intelligence of AI? Uh, and do we want to develop machines that you know, are uh, to some extent, sentient in their own right. Mm.
1: You see, at the beginning of the show, I kind of sold this show to people on the premise that maybe we could draw a curtain on this topic for a little while. <laughs> we're, not, we're not able to do that anytime well, soon, are we? No,
2: I mean, I uh, I was going to to take issue with that when you uh, when you said it because <laughs> you, you can't draw a curtain on a technology that's constantly evolving. You know, yeah. we 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 essentially said uh, with the development of antibiotics. We're drawing a curtain on the development of antibiotics mm, mm. like 30 years ago, and now we're in a situation where we don't really have any antibiotics that, that function mm. anymore. You know, we're running out of functioning antibiotics. We can't, we can't ever say with science and technology we're drawing a line. I mean, there was this view in the 1950s uh, that we would soon know all of science, yeah, And, you know, I mean, <laughs> when, you, when you think back at that, it's absolutely absurd. When you think of what we've developed recently, I mean, we, we recently did a Matt's Blaine on, um, on physics and, uh, you know, these, these new developments in bubbles and whatever and, and weird things that I can't even remember to explain right now. But all of this is constantly evolving. You can never pull a curtain or draw a line under science and technology because it never stops mm-hmm.
1: thank you very much for that matt uh, do you feel any better roshan or are we uh, still teetering yeah bit? i feel great rich this is a great thursday
0: i feel so positive it's fantastic <laughs> thank you very much matt <laughs> that's
2: fine but again i think i think this is a, a, a an issue of viewpoints i do find these positive changes it's the way that we frame them if we look yeah. at them with a, a from a negative perspective you know what are they changing so we have to we have to look at the potential downfalls but also look at what we can do to avoid those downfalls and to achieve those positive outcomes.
1: Lovely. On that note, we have to wrap up for today. But, of course, if you did miss this show, highly recommend you go and download the podcast. It's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play very uh, shortly. Uh, of course, do stick around, though, because coming up after the one o'clock news, it is uh, the Breakfast, Gril- uh, Breakfast Grill Replay. Uh, Indonesian payment gateway uh, platform Zendit uh, bills itself as the stripe of Southeast Asia and achieved the coveted unicorn status... In September twenty twenty one, the Breakfast Grill to sit down with the CEO Moses Lee on the company's regional ambitions, how they're competing in an intensely competitive landscape and whether they can translate unicorn status into IPO success. All coming up after the one o'clock news. Time for us to go. Me and Roshan are going to go and hug ourselves and just make things okay. (laughs) Matt's giving us a wave because he is alive and real. Uh, But this, of course, has been Enterprise Biz Bites. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow at noon here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Oh, you might enjoy this song to take us out. It's R.E.M. It's the end of the world as we know it here on BFM 89.9.